not so much the neutral zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Loudly. And a great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. Today we are here to talk about season three, episode 16, edging ever closer to the end of original series, Mark of Gideon, or as I like to call it, Love in a Time of Cholera. <laughs> oh my god. How clever is that, guys? I mean, it is kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I am a goddamn genius. Goddamn genius. This is famously or infamously the episode that deals with abortion and or birth, birth control. control. Yeah. Um, in... And bodily autonomy. Uh, in an offhand manner. In a real <laughs> yeah. cash way. It's... It felt more like they wanted to warn everybody about the evils of red tape than talk about birth control. Well, I feel like it is a small germ of an idea, as so much as Star Trek is, a small germ of a contentious idea wrapped in an episode of nonsense. So many layers. Yes. But when you actually get to the conversation, like... Or in this case, a writhing math mass of people. Yeah, but I mean, again, thinking about the context and the time mm. that they were talking, like openly about this would have been have you considered birth control desperately controversial at the time right and it was actually tell me more um well i mean the way that television shows are usually controversial they uh had to do several versions of that particular conversation oh really um this was the one that they sort of passed with a side eye it's interesting because i think i think it comes down to essentially well that's your culture and you're stupid. You're insane. Yeah. It is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, culturally, our entire culture is really unhappy, and we're all slightly suicidal because there's too many of us. Some of us more than slightly. But we really love life and revere it and cannot see our way to ending it. Also, we've evolved so we can't die. What I love about this is that it continues the same argument against abortion that has been since time in memoriam. Well... A fetus is life, but it's quite all right for a grown woman to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, or suffer horribly. And or suffer horribly for the die. sake of a life that is possible. Like, that is what this boils down to. It's absolutely fine for, I keep calling her Obama, and I know that's <laughs> not her name. I can't, I, Hodor, I, it goes back and forth. I couldn't settle on a single it's name. Donna. Sure. It's okay for her to die. In the eyes of her father, mm-hmm. and conceivably in the eyes of whatever council, well, the entire baldies, male council, sorry. yeah, all the baldies are okay with it. It's fine for her to die, but it's not okay for a single person to consider birth control. Yeah, 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 because yeah. as soon as like it's not even specifically about like and the you quality know, of life of the children that are being born. Yeah, yeah, it's about contraception in the first place, which is you know completely would preclude the argument about. Abortion, but of course that is a distinction a lot of people have trouble with now. Well, it, it's their argument is oh we we love all life even the fetus. Well, birth control isn't necessarily about the fetus. It's not it's because it makes fetus. Yes. Totally fetus. It's totally stopping the fetus. Yes, yes. It, it, it renders the whole it's, fetus conversation moot. It's it's not to stop people from giving birth. It's stop. To stop fetuses from forming. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't understand their argument at all. And I'm pretty sure that this is probably wanted to be more of a conversation about abortion, yes. but definitely could not go well, there. Well, the thing is, I mean, it definitely was about that, but it's Star Trek does this very well and always has and does it better with every incarnation is that they're definitely obviously talking about things. 
mm-hmm. but they're doing it in such a like insulated manner that if if you are like 80% of people you're going to get the message without getting the message if you know what I mean yeah like it'll I... sail right over a lot of people's heads mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, a lot of them mm-hmm. will still get the like the underlying well the the big question here is that at what cost life yeah, yeah. like is it worth bringing children into the world that is terrible and is nothing but constant suffering wearing those ugly hooded skin tight no, very bad in that sickly like radioactive green color yeah, yeah at the cost of the life of the planet yeah and is is that i don't is it humane no short answer no no it is not and it's interesting that they're willing to consider in many ways a genocide it felt to me less like genocide and more like assisted suicide. In Except that she was like, I'm gonna go and get sick and I'm gonna die and it's gonna be glorious and then I'll be able to pass it on to anybody else who wants to get sick. Except I don't think they fully understand how contagion works. Well, to be fair, their medical, by their own standards, is very poor. Yeah. yeah. So A, they clearly don't understand how contagion works and B, they have basically no medical science because they've lost the need for medical science. So probably what they're actually going to end up doing is wiping out 90% of their population like in a real epic. Well, it would seem that the vegan disease or whatever Kirk had when he was a child, um, was some kind of meningitis. Yeah, vegan meningitis. Vegan meningitis. <laughs> yeah. Is only communicable through blood? Question mark. Um But even if that's true that certainly never stopped any other disease on earth so. well again science fiction let it go yeah but well, it, it I, I, I think you're think... right that it is assisted suicide rather than yes. trying to introduce a contagion okay. To kill okay so i can kind of understand where the society would be coming from in that like we want to give children a chance to grow like yeah if we, if we have a child we want to give them the chance to grow and become who they're going to be and make their own decisions blah 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 blah, blah. so it's in some ways it's better that adults choose to die then we choose to like have abortions left and right and whatever um but i don't think the show dealt with it very well no the it other was kind of a clumsy the other thing that he says is that once they see her obama ohana moana dying is that other young volunteers will step forth to get the same disease so why is it the young yeah yeah that was like the additional layer of things that pissed me off about this planet it's like okay so a we're completely stamping out anyone else's anyone's like bodily autonomy here because we are anti-choice like all the way to the point of insanity and then we're going to layer on baby boomers ruin the world and now expect young people to sacrifice to fix it it was weird. Well, no one dies or in whatever this society, the which is a was. problem. Well, I think, what does it say? They, people, they've evolved to the point where they regenerate from any illness or wounds. And because so they, they love life so much. Yeah, so, and so they, much. the only way they can die is from old age. Yeah. Which sounds ridiculous. Very. Because, like, if you're getting so the old, like, old age is dying because your organs are shutting down. Yeah. But if their organs regenerate themselves... They should just live die. for fucking ever. Well, and at some point, if you live forever, your society should just stop banging. Yes. As a have society. Have they considered? Take two years off from sex, people. 
Actually, that's that even a better solution, is that, guys, you're just gonna have to, like, not. In some ways, though, I'm really glad this didn't turn into an abstinence-only message. <laughs> no, it was very no, much... No, it was straight have up... Have you considered birth control? Because it works. Yeah. It super works. Like, yeah. we can give you the stuff. Yeah. We have the stuff. His whole... His face during that entire conversation, where it's like, you're only hearing three words out of six, you're not listening to me, let me explain... No, let... Let me... No. Oh, God. I really felt for him right then. <laughs> I felt for him in that moment because he's presenting what I would see as a very logical situation, mm-hmm. like a logical yeah. solution to your problem is, yeah, you guys can continue loving life. That's fine. But you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to make some cultural changes. <laughs> but again, like you love life. The Starting with the fetus. Mm. Although I guess in their insane, extreme, you know, life loving, whatever not having sex might also qualify. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Well, they deserve the stupid turtlenecks then. They do. They deserve every turtleneck. My theory is that they're turtlenecks like full body suits akin to like the, you know, the ones you see at like hockey games. games. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that they can compress their bodies and make them smaller so there's more room. <laughs> The part where you see them through the window, like, slinking around each other uncomfortably out of every window is an amazing shot, and it's an amazing concept. I really enjoy the visual of that. My deep question is, how does sanitation work on this planet if everyone is constantly standing up and walking around? How does anything work on this planet? Where do you have sex? It it implied that you're just having sex on the street. Uh... From the sounds of it, like, the way she was going on about, like, the parks are full, the beaches are full. It's the mountains like, are full. It's just, like, an unending writhe of people who just sort of constantly are on the move and never stop and never do anything. How? Yeah. I mean, eventually you just start, you know. Are there houses? Are they crammed ten in a house? Do they just, everybody has sex really quietly? And their violent crime rate must be incredibly high. That was my other question. How come they just started having, like, murdering, murdering each, each other? other? Because yeah. apparently wouldn't their organs regenerate? Oh, no, they well, love, love you cut off so someone's much. head. Well, then that's the other thing, is then why isn't there so much more suicide on it? Oh, but they die love from life. violent crime. But I would have thought, like, I know suicide planet is a contentious issue for us, but I feel like this is a situation for a suicide planet. Well, do you planet. know what it made me think of? You guys have both seen Soylent Green, right? No. No. But I know Soylent Green is people. Okay, well, that's the big spoiler. There is a scene... Everybody knows Soylent Green Everyone Green's knows people. that. Um, but there is a scene in Soylent Green because the, the big theme with Soylent Green is overpopulation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's so many people on the planet that basically, you know, the resources are so strained, there's not enough food, and so, of course, they start eating people. But there is a scene in Soylent Green where they t- show you one of the other ways they have devised to relieve the overpopulation problem, and that is by encouraging painless suicides in suicide centers so there's a scene where i can't remember who plays more the character name but it's like an old man who's an acquaintance of the main character goes in and pays his little fee and and they give you like ask your favorite color and your favorite song and they ask you to pick a scene and they play nice music and you lie down on a table and they give you drugs and you die but it's in this culture it is it is put forward as like a positive thing like you're doing great service and we're going to make it as painless and pleasant for you as possible and that's what I kept thinking of when I was watching this episode. Or like Logan's Run. Or like that, yeah. Where except you go to Carousel. You except get... Carousel doesn't look as nice as the music you see in that. You float Green. gently up and into explode. the sky. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> but you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't feel any pain because you're boom. Mm. I think I'd take the Sailing Green method over the uh, <laughs> Logan's Run method myself. I guess. I mean, there are just a lot of solutions for them out there other than kidnapping 
Kirk. Yeah. Also, my other question is, what the fuck does the Federation want with this planet? That is an excellent question. Yeah. Like, they won't talk to anybody. They won't let people down. They won't let scans. Like, why is the Federation so interested? I have a theory about that. And my theory is that Gideon is the one that contacted the Federation saying, hey, we'd like to join up. But then started putting up walls the second the Federation started listening. So they should the have things. said, well, okay, fine. Because the plan was Bye. basically to trick them into bringing <coughs> someone so they could steal their blood. Well, I, I question, though, isn't Gideon the name of the planet, not a person? Yes. Like, I, she said, she's saying Gideon the planet. Oh, yes. I thought you were talking about a person. I'm no, like, no. what? Okay, let's see. Here's Mr. My... Gideon of and it was all, okay. like, a scam to get Here's my other thing, business. though. It's like, if you want to decide that, like, we have too many people, our form of population control is going to be, like, mass disease and killing people off through foreign illnesses... You should open your planet to as many foreign visitors as possible. Oh, but they're still super xenophobic, so they chose this instead. It's weird. I almost feel like they don't want anyone to know about their giant masses of people. But I think that joining the Federation well, and maybe taking half of the people off to that planet point. and putting them on another planet would be another option. He makes I can't I don't know if we ever get a name for his excellency the head of the Oh, Maldives. he's like hold on. Sure. Um, but he makes this huge deal about how they avoid outside contaminating influences. So it's not just disease. It's they're super xenophobic. Well, none of this made any sense. Actually, I think this is a very simple episode. Like, it's very straightforward. They yes, call the, up the Federation. The episode was very straightforward. None of the reasoning for yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. because sense. they're crazy people. Yeah. Also, I have to admit that I like the idea of the episode but I hate everything about it. Yeah. I hate the love story. I think oh, it's the, awful. Such as it is. We met for ten minutes. It's love. Oh, I will die in your arms. I will sacrifice everything for you, baby. Oh, God, the point where her father is like to Kirk, go to her. Yeah. I was like, fuck, fuck you. you. They've known each other for like literally 45 minutes. It's bullshit. I don't like that. I don't really like anything about the Spock thing because it's a giant time waster. It And it makes... Starfleet and the Federation look like assholes. Yes. Yes, it does. And the entire thing with Spock to it being like, I'm trying to do my job and you're thwarting me. And it just... I Oh, that guy was such a dick. What the fuck were they trying to do with Spock to make him look like the hero? Like the rational hero? I think they were trying to... Yeah, they were trying to waste time. There is a bit right at the beginning where they say the coordinates, they repeat the coordinates. Yes. And every single, like, because it's, it's a 1960s television show. Every time someone, like, zooms into someone's face just before the commercial break and the music plays, dun, 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 uh, those lasted for about five minutes yeah, each. it was a lot of filler. I, I, it pains well, it's, me. It's not a very, like, content-heavy episode. There's one story and there's one argument. Well, it should be a better episode, is what I'm trying to say. Because I love the central idea. Yeah. I like, I like the conceit of almost, like... But it could have been richer. A haunt, yeah, it's a haunted ship yeah. in a way because mm-hmm. is it in space? What's going on? Where are all the people? Fine, like we've done this before, and that's okay. Yeah. But the I, the haunting image that I have is that what I remember about this episode the most is when the screen flickers for a moment and there's all those faces pressed oh, up against the glass, so creepy, with this spooky green light over all of them and it's so scary because you can feel and the one part where there's the heartbeats and you could kind oh, of that feel was terrifying. the pressure of the people mm-hmm. pushing up against so the, the ship the part that got me in there was it's actually at the beginning when Kirk is just realizing that he's alone on the yes. ship and his face in that section was 
fantastic. And a great sense of space. Yes. I think the whosoever they might be actually did a really good job of establishing a lot of depth to the spaces. They felt so empty. empty. Yes. And that was really great to contrast with, um, the, you know, the planet down, the Gideon, the planet with all these people pressing up against. And then when they come, when the crew comes back to the enterprise mm. is that it actually doesn't feel that full. No, no, it doesn't. Not it, by comparison. No. You, so you see them in a shot and like two people walk by yeah. And but you and it's such a contrast to like the completely empty ship with them just walking by themselves. It's a little bit jarring and you're like, "Oh, there is a lot of people here." But right? there really isn't. No, it's it's very interesting like how your sense of the I don't know, the size of the enterprise mm-hmm. changes how they use it as a set. It's incredibly clever of how they do that direction. Yeah. Especially in contrasted with I I love the stuff down on the Gideon planet where you finally understand that this tiny space that the council has, like where they're sitting down and are able to kind of swivel in their chairs, is so precious. It's a luxury. It's a luxury yeah. for the those in command and in yeah. charge. Yeah. So this actually starts out really fast for a Star Trek episode. Um they, boringly. They arrive at Gideon. There's some back and forth political stuff. And then... Uh, well, no. It's stupid. They start by saying that this is Gideon. Mm-hmm. They're interested Being in becoming assholes. part of the Federation. They refuse a delegation of people. They refuse to be surveilled. It's not suspicious at all. But they will let one guy down to kind of say, ho, Oh, ho. and by the way, we're taking the coordinates they give us to material transfer on blind trust. Yeah. It was done. I'm not sure what my thought here is. I think it has to do with the fact that they know what Kirk's medical records are. Like, how the fuck did they get that information? Apparently people chat about this all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have no they have, with they, the Federation. Okay. No, no, no. Speaking of contact, they should not be making contact with these people because they are a pre-warp civilization. Yep. They do not have space travel. That nope. we know of, no. No, because when he says, oh, it's the warp engine, she's like, warp? Question mark? So why are they talking to these people at all? That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Although it's also possible, because there's that bit in the beginning where they talk about, you know, well, the Federation is going along with this mainly because Gideon has given them sociocultural reports that make it sound like a paradise. Maybe they claimed they weren't pre-warp? I don't know. No, but that doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm totally, like, how on, how on earth did anyone come into contact with these assholes? And, like, if they don't have any of this, like, technology that we think they have, how would they know if we scan them? Just scan them anyway. Well, especially as later. It what are they going to do? They can't tell later on. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. They can't tell when Spock beams down. Any No, the premise so of this So just, is like, insane. scan them and then be like, shit, you have a lot of people writhing on your mountains. Like, yeah. where are you guys having sex? So... I'm entertained that they basically just take Gideon's reports on trust, especially since we know that in other cases they have definitely required Federation representatives to look at a place before they even consider anything. We have no idea how the Federation knows about this planet, no, why they're interested in being there, other than the fact that apparently it's nice. Sure, apparently it's very nice. Uh, apparently um, they need a new beach. Yeah. <laughs> a bigger beach. Um... So Kirk beams down and materializes in the exact same room he just left. Again, this is a good ship in a bottle episode. It is. It so is. cheap. Same mm-hmm. ship twice. So cheap. And then, you know, Shatner was isolated from the rest of the crew, so if they were angry with him, he could just have his own side adventure. Yeah. Yep. Um, and here's where I remembered, because he runs to the console, he's like, 
Spock, where the hell did you go? You didn't complete the transport. Why'd you leave your post? And here's where I remembered exactly which episode this was. And I actually got excited because I really liked this one historically. Hmm, um, you're wrong. Um, well, I, it, it's famous for a reason, and I really enjoy that about it's it. It's famous for reasons that are not as good as the episode. Which, mm. What I like about this is, again, Kim, we talked about the emptiness of the ship. Yeah. Mikey. Yes. I love a good ghost ship. Yeah. Who doesn't? Everybody Who doesn't love a Mary Celeste? Everybody oh. loves a ghost ship. The best part about that is he runs around the ship calling, he runs around the ship going, oh, and no, no one's there, goes onto the bridge, asks Uhura to report, bro, there is no <laughs> one there. I don't know where you think she's hiding. Maybe she just went to her quarters and is like hanging out and with all those sweet pillows she has. She has a lot of pillows. It's very stupid. Yeah. But come the- back from the first commercial break and he's already writing his diary. No, he's not writing a diary. Here's the thing. He's voiceovering. He's VOing. Yeah. He's VOing because Spock does it too. Yes. Which is crazy. Yes. Well, it's a log. Well, no, no, it is not. Captain's log. It starts with Captain's log. No, 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 Yes. It is not. I was watching it with subtitles. It's a log entry. Nope. Nope. I was watching it as well, and it is not a captain's entry. It is just like, so, I'm here feeling up this wall. Just me. It felt like, even if it starts out as a captain log or whatever. It is not. The sound quality is different from what we normally have for the captain's log entries. It's got this hollow echoey. And it was literally there to make sure that the viewer could figure out what was going on with Kirk and later on what Spock is going through so we know for sure what we're supposed to be they thinking about. They use this device several more times in different Star Trek franchises too. I'm thinking of um, the Warp Bubble episode in Next Gen. The, she's writing letters or diary entries. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we've ever had, and I, Ari, I will fight you for the rest of my life, a I don't straight care that voiceover because it was very strange. I honestly did not notice that. Because I don't think we've ever had a straight voiceover just like, hey, so just thinking to myself here. Because Spock does the same thing. And you're like, what? I I heard it as a log entry. Nothing strange about it to me at all. Because they've done that tons of times. Yeah, it's not a log entry. No, it didn't. Yeah, but I interpreted it as that, so it didn't really matter. Well, you're wrong. So just kind of take (laughs) that to your heart. The other important thing about this is that you can clearly see Shatner's nipples throughout this entire usually looking for that kind of thing oh, i find agreed. it slightly distasteful Liars. disagree disagree well this time they were like jutting in my face i was like oh could we not tape those down <laughs> like it's not either it was very cold on set or <laughs> was, i don't know it was very empty they it made was... <laughs> not enough bodies to warm it up it was it was weird i was like i just they're so there and Space is cold, Corrine. Space is cold. <laughs> Anyways, he feels up walls. Oh my god, I did not understand why he felt up the wall. No. It was such a bizarre choice. He just, like, presses himself up against yes. it and, like, listens to, like, what's going on okay. inside. I am going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and here's my explanation as to why he's feeling up a wall. He's feeling for the vibration yeah, of the ship. That's what I thought. To see if it's still moving. Also, okay. did you guys notice that the background hum isn't there when he's on the fake ship? Is there usually a background hum? Yeah. There's usually the... Of the, like the instruments, yeah, the bring bring. None of the beeps and clicks the are happening. Beeping noise on the and bridge. And they only started using the background hum of the ship in the third season, and it's not in the fake ship. I did not listen to it's it. It's not as pronounced on. as it is in later franchises. But... Uh, okay, I can buy that. Like in the text, he's feeling the walls to feel for the vibration of the ship. Know. 
as a visual, <laughs> it looks fucking stupid. Yes, yes. It looks yes. like he's trying to like hug the wall for like comfort. I, I mean, know. Couldn't, uh, he's got I a feel really like he's weird relationship. Someone on that ship has got a stuffed animal somewhere. Go find that and hug that. Mm, <laughs> he loves that ship, but the ship is his stuffed animal. Ugh. Um, he also talks about how he has a, he's got a memory lapse. So basically he's been kidnapped by aliens. He's had an alien yeah. encounter. Yeah. Including experience. the alien implant because yeah. his arm is bruised. And his arm is bruised. bruised. Yeah. yeah. Mysterious. Clues. Clues. And back on the real bridge, Gideon calls up. He's like, so, uh, where is he? And this is like when, you know, one of your parents is coming to pick you up and they're taking longer than they should. So you call home and your other parents like, they left 10 minutes ago. So his name is Hold On. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. This is a really good point to stop for a quick note about Gideon male fashion. Yes. Yes. A lot of hexagons. Uh, (laughs) I described it to myself as settler of Catan chic. Yes. It's very much like hexagons, like just in like bizarre patterns on the top, just like on the tops of their tunics. They're really boring clothes, except for all the fancy hexagons and like they're filled in in different colors. There's some like draping in different shapes. Lots of brick. More important people have more hexagons. Yeah. Well, the men, anyway. She has yeah. no hexagons. Oh, we are going to talk about her. her oh, my God, yes. When we get there. there. When we get there. Because I had to stop it and really think about what I was seeing and whether, <laughs> like, I was real, this was real, what that fabric was, what yeah. the fabric of reality was. <laughs> We're getting there real soon. <sighs> yeah, so they're talking to Hold On, who, in my notes, I have his gross face man. Only two of these people actually matter. The lead guy and, and Baldi. Baldi, his assistant. Yeah. So ba- many bald people at this table. Mm. Baldi mustache. Yeah. So there's bald, 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 bald. And then, like, hair is the guy in charge. Yeah. Apparently that's how they decide who is going to be their leader. And, and he's just essentially like, yeah, he never showed up. Fine. Not our fault. And Spock's response to that is a very, you know, logical and understandable No. No, that's that's not how that happened. No. Um, and I actually thought this was interesting, because this whole conversation where the council people are clearly, like, trying to delay things and trying to, to screw with Spock. Obfuscate. Deliver, obfuscate, yeah. In a very, you know, expert way. It's like, oh, yeah, they're you, great at this. you're very good at this. Um, and Spock actually utters the phrase once they've hung up the phone with them, um, the purpose of diplomacy is to prolong a crisis, which I always think is really funny because his father is an is ambassador. A, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. So he would know. Yeah. They explain their way of life as a jealous tradition of isolation yeah. against aggressive people between star systems. Jealous tradition of isolation. It's a very interesting phrase. Uh, I can... I think the general gist of that is like we want to stay out of everybody's interplanetary wars, which fair, fine, especially if they have a quote unquote love of life. <laughs> and Spock's like, you know, we're not in a constant state of unending interplanetary war anymore, right? Because it seems like their information is a little out of date. Whatever. And, and so Spock up. decides to scan space for him because they're not allowed to scan the planet. That's fucking stupid. That's a waste it of is. Even like Sulu, well, this is... even Sulu was like, "Are you kidding me? Well, That's yes. going to take yes. forever." I, yes. I think this is after Starfleet, like the first time, told them, "No, you aren't allowed to go down and look for them." And Spock's like, "Fine, I'll just scan all of the universe instead." 
that's it's not a proper response. It's so then, um, back to Kirk on the abandoned Enterprise, and a woman appears in an sparkly blonde outfit. teenager. Oh. An outfit. Oh my god, this is like one of the worst things we have seen <laughs> on this show, and we have mm-hmm. seen some terrible outfits on this show. Yes, yes. We okay, have. so let us start with her purple sparkly loose jumpsuit it's all one i go magenta magenta yeah yeah Yeah. but it was like this sort of like kind of see-through-ish woven fabric Mm -hmm. it was very sparkly it looked it for the most part looked comfortable because it was like loose wide legs loose wide arms scratchy however yes kim when you get a look at her full body Mm. in order to preserve her modesty they have basically pasted a leather bathing suit over her naughty bits. It is purple. Yeah. It is just like a purple leather bathing suit on top of the outfits. Yes. Like modestly covering her crotch with a strip up her stomach to attach to a bra. And there's like bottoms on the thing. And the rest of it is vaguely see-through. It is awful. It is so bad. And her hair is up in, like, this extreme hygiene of Dream of Genie <laughs> ponytail situation. That was a serious business ponytail. Yes. It's bad. I can't express how bad it is. I hope Ari is planning to put pictures of this on the blog. I, I, I've been looking for pictures that show both the ponytail and the entire jumpsuit, but it's been a challenge so far. It is so bad. It might be worth taking a screen capture because this is one of the worst creations ever made. It's pretty amazing. It is awful. Like, I would have given you the sparkly jumpsuit. The, fine. The sparkly jumpsuit, the, like, the sparkly jumpsuit just by itself actually looked kind of comfortable. It was like fancy leisure wear, like 1960s leisure wear. It was like leisure wear. a full windbreaker. Yeah. Yeah, but... The bikini on top of it, like bikini over your clothes, hideous. Is never going to be a sexy look. No, it's no. never going to be a sexy look. No, you no. cannot fall in love with someone wearing a purple leather bathing suit over their clothing. Was it over? I thought it was underneath. No, no it was over. It was paste. It was yeah. basically yeah. pasted on top of that. It didn't like, move like it was. Oh it no, was. it was that. It the, was the, the jumpsuit thing was like a base layer, and yes. then they just pasted the bathing yes. suit on top. Yes. Um, no, you could never love someone. You take no. a look at that and go, well, I can't, like, obviously there's something wrong in your headspace. I cannot love you like this. No. And yet Kirk finds a way. Ugh. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk has bad taste. That is not untrue. Hmm. Well, hmm. Ha! She's struggling! He bats at least 50% <laughs> of the time of people that I think are, you know, fine. To have a space fling with. He takes, he takes, like, his space flings, though, are, like, 50% taking one for the team. They're mostly taking one for the team. Except for this one, which I wasn't, I'm like, what are you doing here? There's a mystery afoot. Where the flip is your crew? Yeah. I'm going to take some time to just, like, make out with this total stranger who's clearly like, yeah. Although, again, I almost want to give him, like, quarter points where I think he's trying to seduce her because I don't think he believes her. No, he definitely doesn't believe her. I don't think he believes her really at all. I mean, there's a point, I think, where he's not sure if she's lying or, like, out of her mind. But he definitely doesn't think she's uninvolved. I don't know. Because he at no point stops her, like, referring to her, like, your planet, Gideon. Like, obviously. Because she plays amnesia, which is... 
Or like yeah. she doesn't know what her own planet is called. Actually, that's what she says. I have no idea where she I'm is, from. She is like amazed at how big the ship is. Well, no, she's doing a lyrical dance. Yeah, she dances. She's afraid. Spinning like a child. That's she's why childlike. She yeah. is very childlike. And I can't tell if that's an act for Kirk to go along with the fake amnesia or if she's just like. Maybe there's not a lot of education on your planet hard of 12 a, billion. Yeah. Hard to become a self-actualized adult with literally no physical elbow room. Yeah, no. And the more I think about it, the more really disturbing that is. Yeah. She's dressed essentially as a teenager. Yeah. yeah. Like, with the giant ponytail and the sparkly, like... But, she, I mean, the actress... She's that I've older. actually seen on people this week on public transit. Yeah. But she is very childlike and she's yeah. innocent and mm-hmm. she's a blank slate. But, fuck, Kirk, you're a goddamn adult. Yep. Have sex with adult women and or men yep. and or aliens. Just like, hey. Yeah. Hey. You're still sexy. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing she asks is, is this entire ship yours? And he says, well, it's not my personal property, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they get into a conversation about, like, well, where the hell are you from? And she's like, well, I was in an auditorium full of people pressed up against me and there was not enough oxygen. We're all screaming to get out. And he's like, oh, well, that's perfectly normal. Not going to ask or, like, probe any more questions about that. No follow-ups. Nope. Seems totally normal. Totally normal. Well, I mean, he does later. Just every time he asks her a direct question, she changes the subject or, like, floats off into the other frame. Mm, Who doesn't? And she's I wish like, I could end conversations like that I didn't feel like having. That's how I end most of my conversations. <laughs> he is like, well, you know, like, there's 430 people on my ship. Where, where are they at? Mm-hmm. Where are they at? Um, she goes, again, her visual, this bit where she's like, I'm in an auditorium and we're all fighting and screaming to get out and there's not enough oxygen. And here you have space and freedom. Mm-hmm. And I, there's, there's little subtle bits that she does. She doesn't want to hold his hand. And she yeah, doesn't no. want him to touch her. And she her. holds her shoulders in this very particular... Which is how I ended up holding my shoulders by the time we were at the end yeah. of this episode. Because mm-hmm. every time they described the surface of Gideon, I was, like, physically making myself smaller. A lot of the way... A lot of the sort of the visual descriptions of Gideon and all the people pressed up against each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, reminds me of a nightmare that I had years ago. And it's, like, one of the most clear memories of a dream I have ever had. I had just read... Um, it was a Rohinton mystery book. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the title of it right now. A Fine Balance. I'd read A Fine Balance. And I kept having dreams that I was lost in a crowd and no one knew me and I didn't know anyone, but it was just endless people everywhere. And that's what all of this reminds me of. It was like one of the worst nightmares I've ever had in my life. It's a very visceral, claustrophobic sort of feeling you get off this episode. Like, well done, guys. You should not watch the movie Lion. <laughs> <laughs> It is not going to go well for you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I have a little bit of a, a phobia of India right now because of that book. <laughs> sure, that's not what his purpose of writing that was. So they um, they play, because when he looks at the view screen, when he first finds himself alone on the ship, he sees Gideon. When he looks again, when Odonna is on the bridge with him, it's gone. It's just a field of stars. Yeah. Um, he also is like, I don't recognize those constellations. So I don't know what they're showing him, but it's maybe nonsense stars. My other favorite part about that is like, we were not here, brought here by accident. We are brought for a purpose. And I was like, oh no, mating? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, at some point in here, we cut back to Spock on the bridge, and it's not actually important what's happening, but I wrote down in my note, Spock encounters red tape, is yeah. pissed. Yeah. And, yes, <laughs> at which point every single member of the crew behaves in the most undiplomatic fashion ever of just kind of shouting, he's insulting and annoying, into the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially Scott. No, Scotty should be straight up fired, and this is... I don't know why he's even on the bridge. Not his last impression. Even Uhura is like, oh, he's so infuriating. As if he can't hear you. Well, at that point, they couldn't, because she actually is in charge of muting oh, things. Oh, no. But Scotty for that. sure does it while he's listening. He could hear them, because he makes a little remark about, oh, there was some static, and I couldn't quite understand. He's such a dick, what, and he's so he's good at it. He's baller. I, yeah. love, I like this diplomat. I like him a lot. And his kind of message is, well, we looked for him, and we couldn't find Kirk, so... We're done now. He's not here. <laughs> I really like you frame that as, like, good news! Kirk's not here! Bye! <laughs> now you can search the rest of the universe! It's great. And then Spock is like, well, how about I go down and take a look? And they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense, because we looked for him really hard. And like, Spock's like... we open the window all the way and put our head outside. It's like when you ask, when you look for the remote, and what you really want is someone else to come and find it for you. So like I looked by like I don't know lifting up a cushion um and so Howda or whatever his name Crowda Crowda is the assistant of Howda Baldy Baldy mustache yeah is like well we can like swap we can do an exchange student program let's test this yeah they send Chowda up there and then they're like oh sorry I didn't understand what you were asking for and I didn't ask the permission council so I have to go now bye yeah yeah well cause, uh, cause they say like you can beam down here after we beam up one of your guys, our guys. It's pretty explicit. And then they're, like, then they're like, oh no, we didn't say you could beam down. Go away. Yeah. This guy is great. I mean, this diplomat is doing a really good job mm-hmm. for what he's doing. Um, there's actually some really good editing because Aurora goes to like call up the Federation and be like, hey guys. And we go to Kirk trying to hail Starfleet. Up the, like actual good editing yeah, that I yeah. noticed was actual good editing. Crazy. Crazy. Um... And then proceeds to just kind of give up and go for seduction. You know what it occurred to me about halfway through this? That it's like, this is like passengers, but reversed. I didn't see passengers. Well, neither did I, because it sounded like garbage. But the idea that one person on the ship is there for an ulterior motive and for sinister purposes, except in this case, it's the girl. Fine. But no. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is very strange because she's like, oh my gosh, it is so nice here. It's so quiet, so peaceful, and beautiful, like the yeah. vastness of space. And he's like, well, that is my cue for seduction. Yeah. Yeah, it is beautiful. I actually wrote in my notes, Kirk flirts a bit. Yeah, a bit? <laughs> it is business time for Kirk. <laughs> he's like, speaking of beautiful, uh, hey... And he's like, we are alone. Let's be alone forever. I actually, there was some really spooky dialogue from her here where she's like, all my life I've dreamed of being alone. And he says, most people are afraid of being alone. And she says, where I come from, people dream of it. Mm -hmm. Um, The line that I liked, I think, is something, they would kill and die for solitude. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Why do your people dream of being alone? Because they never can be. Which really Whoa. made me appreciate the time when I come home at the end of the day and I'm all by myself in my apartment. Your clothes bra off. 
<laughs> which he actually takes instead of a cue to ask more questions about. Wait, what do you mean? There's no place on your planet to be alone. That sounds insane. And in fact, is more like, no, it's time for kisses. Yeah, kisses. Um, except I don't know because he also does the kisses, and he's like, well, stop. Did you come here to die? Like every episode you do this. He's clearly like on to her at this point because even while he's they're making out uncomfortably, he's like, I've been listening to everything you're saying and here, let me synthesize some stuff. Did you come here to kill me? Did you come here to die? I don't know. I don't care. I'm happy. Let's make out. And then while they're making out with his back to the view screen, we see the creepy face. Creepy green purse. Mm-hmm. Which actually made me jump the first time. Like not not actually no, the second time. It didn't this time, but later on when he opens the window and faces. And there's all the faces there. Yeah. This is an important... Actually, I'm going to save that for my life's lesson. I'm going to circle it right here and put a pin in it because I think I've got my life lesson out of this encounter right here. Okay. Put a little star by it. So he the, he hears something weird because he is finally attuned to every noise that the Enterprise makes. Mm-hmm. And he's like... And she's like, oh, I'm sure it's, you know, stuff. Ship stuff. Ship stuff. Engines, right? And he's like, no, not ship stuff. I know all the sounds. I know it's coming from the outside. And they go to a view important engineering. Oh, God. And he opens it up, and there's just a million faces pressing up against the window. Yep. And they're just staring in. Yeah. No expression, just And he actually leaps back from the window. No, he leaps back. Grabs her to be like, look away, don't look directly at the faces. And then tries to be like, and then it flips back to the stars. Yeah. Which and doesn't then, make any sense, but no, whatever. doesn't make any sense, but great visual. Yeah. yeah. We'll give it to you for the visual. And they're like, well, maybe it was just an illusion. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, the the I would like to start this conversation by saying the bit where they're, Kirk's like, it sounded like the heartbeat of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Ugh. Great. So creepy. Great. Great line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goes into nonsense that I want to talk about. It could be an illusion. It could be a powerful being that's just giving us, like, the visual of this, which is... Honestly, the first time that they've ever acknowledged that they've met anything that has the power to do things <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. He's learning. Very slowly. And then she's like, well, couldn't we just forget about this and be content? At which point, Kirk loses his shit. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say be content with the much venom and anger as he does in that moment. Yeah. Be content? Be content? And then he just starts accusing her of everything. Exactly what she's doing. Oh. Shit, I guess he's right. Yeah, yeah. he is right because he, he he sort of talks it out like he often does when he's working out puzzles. And he's like, or, I mean, there can't be people outside if we're in space because space. Mm-hmm. There can't be sound because space. And that's the first time that's ever been mentioned on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. How about, actually, we're on Gideon. Which turns out to be true. Yeah. So good job. Um, so that's actually a pretty good deduction for Kirk. Mm-hmm. It's not his worst moment. And here's where she starts showing symptoms. 
She swoons. She, she swoons. does. She passes out in Kirk's arms. Does yep. a full swoon. At which point we realize that everyone is perving on them and watching this entire thing and being, yep. like, rubbing their hands together and going, Excellent! The first stage of the experiment is complete! Yeah, because this is where the council guy comes in. Yeah. And it's all like, hey, it's my daughter! She's deathly ill! Hooray! Well, she's so happy before she passes out. She's like, is this what it's like to be sick? He's like, is there not sickness on your world? And she's like, oh, there will be. There will be sickness, there will be death, and then she passes out with a smile on her face. Okay, so my question is, because Kirk has apparently lost nine minutes of time and gained a bruise that came from them, like, extracting blood. Mm -hmm. Was she, like, injected with Kirk blood? Yes. Or did he kiss the sickness into her? No, they injected her with his blood, which presents another other host of problems. Like, what if their blood types didn't mix? I mean, maybe their immune system is just so powerful it can convert... I don't know. Their immune system sounds insane. But if they have no medical science, they would not be able to extract serum from his blood. Why aren't they just murdering each other? It's an excellent question. Mm. Oh, but they love life, Crane. If a disease does it, it doesn't count. That's bullshit. This is is murder. This is murder. This this is is murder! murder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what they're proposing to do is set... Set a foreign illness loose among their population. Which is murder. People who have no resistance to it. Which is like what happened in North America when like European settlers showed up is all of these foreign illnesses went ravaging across the country and killed hundreds of thousands of indigenous people. But they are not... They're not, but they're doing it from the opposite way. They are, but and again, it's not so much about contagions. They're going to ask for volunteers is sent again mm-hmm. to commit suicide. Yeah, they but, are going. The state is going to murder these people. Well, at I don't know their if it's technically murder if they're volunteering. It's certainly like peer pressure, man, suicide, peer pressure, suicide. I don't even. But the thing is, none of this matters because diseases they love populations with no resistance, and sometimes they mutate. Something that is bloodborne can sometimes mutate to become airborne. Well, that was what I thought. What I actually thought. We won't play pandemic. <laughs> The what I thought the intention was was that they were going to get her sick, and then just sort of shoo her outside to spread yeah. it yeah. to everything. That is what I thought was going to happen. But then I actually listened to his plan, which was no, we're going to get young volunteers to come forth because that's why they need Kirk continually. Yeah. yeah, is they're going to take harvest his blood and pump it into other people who will then die. Even though he rightly points out that even if she recovers, she will have it in her blood just like he did. Yeah, but not enough. Mm. Except definitely they expect her to die? They do it. They want her to die. Yes, but not for any actual purpose, except the symbolic. Oh, yeah, they want to make her a martyr. Yeah. Look, look, watch her die in horrible, writhing pain. Isn't it glorious? For her people. Again. This entire premise and all of the logic behind it makes no sense. Yeah, that is fair. But again, I feel like it's it's the constant argument that it's better for a woman to die at any age Mm -hmm. than a child. Or an unborn child. child. An unborn child. But as soon as you come spitting out of a woman, your life is suddenly worthless. Yeah. As compared to something that is... Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Anyhow. Yeah, so they're like, so you're a prisoner and it's fine. Just, like, chill out. And we cut back to Spock having a conversation with the Admiral whose logic is questionable. Well, Spock called Federation, and they're like, no, go with the diplomacy. So then Spock called Starfleet, and they said, we can't override what the Federation says. Mm -hmm. And so Spock just does what he wants. Again, the character who has committed more mutinies (laughs) in the entire history of the Federation and Starfleet is Spock. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, successful yeah. mutinies. Well, for me, the thing that I was thinking about here is that, I, I don't know, was this supposed to be a commentary about directives coming from a removed bureaucracy versus an on-the-ground experience? <laughs> yeah. And, like, <laughs> Kareen, stop laughing at me! I am laughing at you. You're taking that way too seriously. <laughs> well, everything else in this was stupid, and this was stupid, too. This was plot devising. Yeah, but like that's what the commentary I felt trying to get out of it was, is that on the ground experience from people who are there firsthand is always better than like the people who are removed and in charge are stupid. I felt that it was more a commentary about diplomacy and how diplomacy and is stupid. And Which is funny because Spock literally wouldn't exist without diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. That too. You just you should just yeah. charge in and do what you want and fuck diplomacy. Well, diplomacy, at least this, is just playing lip service to a game. Yeah. A game that accomplishes nothing, just prolongs everything in a, in a detente, right? Mm-hmm. Is it just paying lip service and going back and forth and back and forth and nothing ever changes? Mm-hmm. Even when there are actual lives at stake, diplomacy is the game. Mm-hmm. And that the game costs lives rather than just, you know, anyone taking actual action. It's just talk, talk. Anyhow, we go back to her, and she's like, my arms and my thighs are pain. <laughs> and I was like, I will give you the arms. Sure. Questioning the thighs. I don't know. That's a weird thing to say. Yes. Unless you've been doing, like, squats. Yeah. Why are you mentioning your thighs? The only other time thighs ever come up is when they're quivering with pleasure. Ugh. Yeah. Ew. Like, I mean, think of all the times people thought you hear people talk about the feeling in their thighs. Never. It's either in, like, a, like a physical sense of, like, oh my god, my thighs hurt from all those squats I did, or in the romance novel sense of her thighs were quivering. Do thighs quiver? In romance novels they do. Why are their thighs quivering? Okay, okay. Actually, leg pain is a sign of meningitis. Yeah. Leg, not my... Thigh. Well, it's the largest muscle in the I leg, don't think so. I would ever be that specific in my life. Like, I'd be like, oh, my aching thighs. Above the knees. Yeah, I know what a thigh is. No, no. Ari. I'm saying that is an actual recognized symptom of meningitis. Yeah. I'm not arguing with you on that. I'm arguing with that no human being would say, god damn, my thighs. Well, I don't know. I might have. Unless it was it. after exercise. Yes. That is the only situation in which that is applicable. Yes. But I, I would but say my legs. literally has thigh pain. No one says thighs. No one. I would say my legs. Yep. My legs hurt. Yep. My arms and my legs. Doesn't that have it's a nice a very to strange it? thing to fixate it on? It is absolutely not. It's my arms. I'm not saying my biceps or my quads she's or my wrists. She's giving a clinical description. My arms and my legs. Like she's giving a very clinical that description. That is what you say. Yeah, considering yes. neither of them is medical people and it's her dad. But Yeah, but anyway. she can describe her body. It's my arms and my legs. And so what the point I was trying to make is that by saying the thighs specifically... For me, it gave it a weird, creepy, sexual tinge to the whole Absolutely. pain description. I because not think that was intended. Oh, yes, I it think is. they were just reading off of a list of symptoms of meningitis. Well, bless your heart for thinking so. But I think you guys are reading way too much no, intent into this. Because there's weird, there, there's that weird thing between pain and pleasure, and she's kind of like, like... Delirious? She's writhing on the bed a little bit. Straight up and Yeah, it's... It is... No, you're right, Kim. It's, it's distinctly weirdly sexual. Thank you. Um, and especially like, she's asking for you like, oh, Kirk. Well, this is a weird conversation anyway. All of that aside though, because neither of them has apparently ever felt pain, which seems strange to me. Again, if they just started murdering each other, they would. Well, if they never sit down. Well, I guess the upper classes do. 
Um, yeah. It's great, because she's like, what? what? Her father is like, what is it to feel pain? And a kind of weird, creepy, like, what does pain feel like, little girl? <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's like what you feel when the people have no hope for happiness, father. Ugh. So she has vegan... Vegan. Coriol... Coriomeningitis. Meningitis. That almost killed him at some point. Mm-hmm. And so they clumsily extracted blood from him, and they're like, oh, so awkward, we're so sorry. <laughs> and then just pumped it into her. And that's their plan. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a terrible plan. Kirk straight up says, you're mad. Which he's not he is correct. wrong. He is correct. Spock moseys down, and here is another red flag that I would like to throw in the play. Spock goes down with his tricorder and his communicator, both of which Kirk left at home. Yeah. yeah. That would have solved a lot of problems. They don't know about communicators. They yep. don't know about tricorders. So why not just bring them with you? These are excellent questions. They're, it is an excellent, excellent, excellent question. Best thing is, is that Kirk is then with the Council of the Baldies. And he's like, it's all a tissue of lies! <laughs> These are some, there are some very strange camera angles in this scene. It's from like... Underneath the, under the, the table. table up. Yes, the clear like, plexiglass or something table, table. And the camera is looking at them from underneath. I was like, what is happening? Let's think about the symbolism of this for a minute. A bunch of men looking down on women's health? Uh, sure. I don't know. I'm, I, I got nothing. It was just strange. I feel like the glass is symbolism of the clarity of the situation now is that they finally oh, are maybe. like having the... The conversation yeah. rather than... Creepily staring in the windows at them. Why? It is weird. It's very strange. It is a weird shot, but I'm going to choose to think of it as deeply, deeply symbolic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they explain about their paradise, which has turned into a death trap. Mm-hmm. Gideon is encased in a living mass of people who can That's find no peace. That's the grossest thing no I've ever heard. Joy. It's very creepy and Grossest. And Kirk's like, um, have you heard of contraception? Yeah, he gets a really good, like, yeah, huzzah yeah. for... This is, this is an oft-gift speech. Yes. <laughs> where it's like, he where, where what's-his-face hair is like, oh, well, we, we can't use contraception. We can't do anything that might prevent the creation of life. And Kirk straight up says, but you can kill a young girl. Here, this is great. Yeah. Not Hodor so. is like, we believe life is sacred. We love life. They keep saying, I love life. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love is the greatest good love of life. It's so great that it gives us life and longevity. And Kirk is like, and misery. Yeah. Like, have you looked outside? You cannot because your window is covered in people. <laughs> yeah. Just people all the way back. And they say, oh, we cannot destroy the creation of life from a fetus to a being. It's against our tradition. And yeah, Kirk is like, but it's A-OK to kill your daughter. This is a, yeah. So Kirk points out the fundamental, like, contradiction here. Which again, unfortunately, something people still have trouble with. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I'm sorry, but being, I'm using incredibly sarcastic air quotes here, pro-life uh, to the point of not wanting people to use contraception, but, you know, totally okay with letting them suffer horribly once they are born. Like, buddy, those are mutually exclusive standpoints. And Kirk is very upset about it, but not as upset as me. <laughs> and he's like, well, we thought we would put her on the ship with you so that you could feel the agony of Gideon. 
to like Which, convince him to that stay. Does not make any sense to me. If you want him to feel the agony of Gideon, beam him down into the middle of your goddamn populace and don't tell him what is going on. Yeah. I think he would be a lot more sympathetic if he was there. Well, no, I'd still be super unsympathetic with him, but yeah, I would understand. They kidnapped him yeah. and lied to the Federation. But I would just... understand the lengths that they'd be willing to go yeah. if I saw that. If I started with that, be yeah. like, oh, yeah, Kirk, it's got to go now. And all of us, I think, are still going to go back to the logical standpoint of, okay, but have you considered not making more people? It's great. Because he's like, guys, I'm giving you options. Completely accessible options. We yeah. will bring you the pills. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I really we got a crate on the board on board right now. I really enjoyed this bit where he's like, "I cannot stay here to help you make people sick. <laughs> I have life plans that I, I need to get back to. I have dreams, don't you know?" <laughs> he's like, "I have a five year plan. It's this mission. Yes, <laughs> this is a great because uh, hair is like you know, no one made her do this. She freely chose and Kirk's like, "Well, I didn't fucking freely choose. <laughs> it's great. Oh no, 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 their actual plan." was for Kirk to fall in love with her and stay forever. He would choose to be a blood donor for life. I just don't understand how they had enough medical science to understand that he would still have, like, viral particles in his blood from meningitis in childhood, but not enough to understand that once she had been infected or others had been infected, they would also have them. This makes no sense. Eh, mystery, mystery. Because she was supposed to die. Did they kidnap, like, someone else, like, from another planet with medical science to give them this idea? But the thing that I don't understand is about this plan is they're like, we're going to get her sick and she'll die. Yes. But their biology is like, it regenerates stuff and keeps them alive. I assume that it has no power against this illness. Well, this is like... And that's why they chose Kirk. This is like, if you have a vaccinated population, people if you don't continue getting vaccinated, you don't have any resistance. And these people have no reason to have any resistance to anything. Yeah. So this would just, like, kill them instantly. Perfect. Spock beams down is like, huh, it's an exact duplicate figures out in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where he gets his weird voiceover. So weird. And, and he, he just... also figures out that it's an experiment. And he just explains the whole episode to yep. us right here. Well, I think this why, was, why did we bother watching? We should have just tuned in at Spock's recap. This was like right back from a commercial Agreed. break, I Agreed. Agreed. We go back to her. She's writhing in like sexual pain and they're like, oh, her death will let the people know. They'll volunteer. There's a giant TV in her room. Yeah. Um, just, just saying. <laughs> and Kirk is like, let me cure you. She does Beth's death scene from Little Women. Like, exactly. Uh, she passes out and he's like, Fine. Uh, Spock is... finally gets to them, and yeah. Kirk's like, fuck you guys. Fuck, 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 fuck you guys. Fuck all of this. Three to beam up. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. See, okay, what do we think about this part? Where no, he... this is wrong. This is wrong. It's like, she's made a choice, not only, like, left her wishes with her father, but straight up told him to his face, this is what she wants. She wants to die. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and then he just ignores her rights and her wishes, and it really is about how women have no rights in their own bodies. Kidnaps her. Kidnaps her. Steals her away to an alien spaceship and performs medical experiments. I hear it's her will. Oh my god, he little re- green men. He revenge little green men's her. So here's the thing. I hear what you're saying, Ari. I I absolutely understand what you were saying in a step-by-step basis, but I still think he did the right thing because fuck all of them. Yeah, I understand that from an emotional basis. I'm just saying that he's kind of being a hypocrite here. 
No, they're all stupid. They're all very stupid. I, I agree with that. And in my opinion, like, forget the logic and the ethics of it, whatever. Just go down there and give everyone fucking contraceptive shots. Who cares? That's true. Put it in the water. Kim, dying to know what you think. <laughs> this is the one time when I will be fine <laughs> with Kirk sweeping in and making unilateral decisions for a culture. Yes! This culture yes. is stupid. fucking stupid. Agreed. They have to be safe from themselves. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I'm completely on board with, like, everything Ari says yes, about like, I'm like, I'm like, this is wrong, this yes, is wrong. I'm like, yes. in this instance, yes. I don't care. Take her off your arms. We know they can spray stuff for more, but just do it from oh. here. You know, like they did on Ariana's, just, just yeah. spray, yeah. like, birth control mist yeah. into orbit. <laughs> They'll all be better off. Aerosol birth control. No, no, yes. you guys, it's room freshener to help with the overcrowding. <laughs> God, it must smell so bad oh, on this Lord. planet. Again, what are they doing in their sanitation? They must be just picking Maybe in the street. Maybe that's what the suits are for. <laughs> oh my god. The creepy hooded suits. The creepy hooded oh. suits to keep all of your pee, like... And your BO. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, where would you shower? There's well, no they're definitely not having sex. They have to be having sex. Oh, this is gross. This society is disgusting. So, again, in this one instance, I have... No objection. No. Sorry, Kim has no objection well, to what's happening. There's also like, Kim has no objection. From, from everything right we have thing. seen, these decisions are being made from a top-down point by a bunch of old white dudes. It's like, no, we've decided that we love life. No, 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 no. We've decided for everyone. We love life. Because not everyone got the hey, hey guys, hey, hey, hey. Birth control is a thing that we can do speech? Like, maybe go up on the roof with like a bullhorn. It's like, okay, can we take have a show of hands? Would you rather have birth control or... Die of a horrible disease. Yeah, like, here are your options. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, Kirk essentially just says, fuck all of you. Beams up, cures her to twinkle music, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I lied to you. Um, You should be mad at me. Yes, yes, he should. He's being, you know, actually pretty understanding, all things considered. He instead chooses his moment to flirt a little bit more, um... And she's like, I gotta go, like, I've got my mission to take your place on the planet. I've got to do what I have to do. I'm gonna go infect infect anybody who wants to get sick and die. Yeah. And serve my people. I d- this is insane and horrible. Oh, I hope this planet blows up. Well, they're pre-warped, so they're probably gonna destroy themselves in a contained way. I, I, I hate this planet. They're terrible. They deserve death. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the thing, I do like the way it ends now, the, the episode ends with Kirk saying that the ship seems crowded now. Yeah, fine. And she's like, are you joking? <laughs> you old player, you. So, um, Kim, your count. Deaths. At this point, <laughs> zero. There should be many. Yeah. There should be so many. In the future, a lot. I... Ari, your count. Uh, 16 ladies. <laughs> eight or nine of those were in this creepy window shop. 16 million ladies. And four people of color because apparently Gideon is lily white. <laughs> well, yeah. It was also partially radioactive green. Th- that was that just true. like dramatic lighting on their part or was that actually what their shitty planet looked like? Again, I mean, they should just, like, just choose death. Yeah. Choose death. Yeah. Choose death. Yeah. Um, performance of the episode, guys. Shatner. Oh, yes! But only for that scene mm. on the bridge where he was really lonely, when he realized that there was no one else around. It was a great performance. Feels so good! I Stop love- celebrating Kareem. Every time <laughs> someone acknowledges how awesome Shatner is. 
Uh, Ari, your performance of the episode? I am also giving it to Shatner. Shut your face! It's not that unusual for me to give it to Shatner. Um, I'm not giving it to Shatner. What? Who are you giving it to? I'm actually giving it to, uh, Hodor. Really? Uh, head diplomatic asshole. <laughs> he was, he was both suave and smooth and somehow conveyed, like, a love of his daughter, but was, like, proud that of is her. True. That is true. I thought he did a great job. Um, she was also... Fine. Hacker is her name. She was fine. She was fine. She showed up. She wore the hideous outfit. Oh. She acted. Yeah, but I, I felt like he he gave a really interesting performance. Um, Hoden's name is David Hurst. David Hurst. He was a Hurst, of course. There you go. Um, no, I, I felt like he. Shatner was great. Shatner was great in this episode, yeah. but his nipples really distracted me. Oh. So I had, I had to just dis- <laughs> disqualified for nipples. Yeah, too much nipplage. Too much nippleage taking away from like his face performance because all I could do is watch his nipples. Oh my god! I'm like, they're so dramatically lit. Anyways, um, life lesson we taken from this episode, Kim. Um, birth control is awesome. Okay, uh, Ari. That was pretty much what I had to. Doesn't just liberate women. Um, it my... rescues you from catastrophic overpopulation and being like force infected with horrible meningitis from space. That's true. When your thighs would ache. <laughs> My no one should get space in eyes. Uh, my life lesson from this was maybe open your eyes once in a while when kissing and, like, peek an eye out the window to make sure there are no radioactive green pervs. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. If only one of them, like, when they were, like, <laughs> like, when they declamped from each other. Ew. Man, that is one of my, like, personal phobias is, like, the dark window, you can't see anything outside. And there's a robber. I used to, when I, I used to stay up really, really late when I was a kid, and my nightmare was, for some reason, a large, bushy, like, ver- I, I, like a lumberjack, essentially. It was a lumberjack man <laughs> with a giant, bushy red beard, and he was just, like, crouching in corners waiting for me. That's terrifying. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about that I want to mention that's based on your life lesson is yes. um, when they stopped kissing... And they did their turn away to go walk down the hall. The blocking in that scene to keep them yes. from noticing yes. what was going on in the view screen <laughs> so awkward. was bananas. Yeah. So awkward. It's very Thinking that they actually had seen it and were just like, okay, and we're just going to quietly creep out of here and have our freak out as It was more like both actors it. forgot they weren't supposed to be looking at the view screen until the last second. Or that they were trying so, so hard, hard not, not to, to look, look at yeah. the view screen. It's like the way they were positioned... It would have been completely, it would have been natural for them to see what was on there. Yeah. For them to not. Was crazy. For them to come out of their kiss, turn around and walk out of the room and not look at the the view screen. It's like an eight foot wide window. Like so awkward. Like wouldn't you want to like sneak a peek? Sneak a peek? Yeah. Anyways, so. (laughs) Screw this planet. Yeah. Or not. Like don't. Don't Ever screw again. Stop. Never screw again. the planet, but don't screw on the planet. Yes. yes. Oh, they're all gonna die. <laughs>